B-Cinema Talks with your hosts Tina Desiree Berg and Jason LaCory. There's a man-man coming out of the night. Six foot four and he's out of sight. He's got a blade of steel and a battle mace. He wears a copper mask to cover his face. It started back in 85. Hess just a part-time security guy. Strawberry escaped into the night. Just running like hell from the Sunnyvale lights. It's many years later there's trouble again because the mask is back just like way back when. Dr. Dan Hess sees on the case and he'll track that killer to the face-to-face. Good versus evil. The battle is on. Cop Professor Dr. Hess will battle it on. Resner, Stanley Quigley makes three. Now everybody's screaming for sanity. The battle is over. Hess shows no fear but as the crazy killer falls he sheds a tear because back in Sunnyvale under guard to care. Is a real mass killer playing truth or dare? So today's guest is Joel Winecoop, King of the Bees. Welcome, Joel. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you so much. Yeah. So, of course, the first question we have to ask you is, what is the worst film you have ever been in? <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm expecting <laughs> to hear my name here. No, not at all. <laughs> Um, and don't say Jason McCurry's film. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, honestly, I, I, I couldn't say. I would, I would never want to say anything like, like I'm somebody to say that I'm, I'm in so and so's production that I thought was horrible, and then because it's making me sound like, well, who am I to say that? Because a lot of people hate my movies. So, there, there, right. there's been some, put it this way, you could, you could probably guess from some of the names that I've done movies with that you would say, oh, that one might not be too whatever. Um, cause, but, I, you know, I, I just enjoy everything I've been in has been a lot of fun. And if it goes on something like where someone goes, oh, that wasn't too good, that, that might be because how the filmmaker might shoot and stuff. He might not shoot like, like I shoot or Jason shoots or Tim shoots. He might, and we're already at a bottom level, but these <laughs> people might be more, 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 more bottom level. <laughs> but it's still a lot. There's of fun. always a more bottom level. <laughs> it, it all, it all comes down to you're having fun with what you do, and whether you, whatever the kind of camera you got, if you've got an eight millimeter or you got a red or something, you're, you're having fun with it. You put it together and you put it out there so people can see it. And right. um, you know, none of us are making millions of dollars, so you just kind of want to have, kind of have fun with it. So I, uh, yeah, I, I just have movies that I'll say, oh, I like, I like what I did in this one much better than what I did in that one way back there. But all in all, it, you know, it's just fun. 
stop. Right. So we flipped the question. What's what's your favorite recent movie you've done? Oh, favorite recent movie? Well, yeah, I've got to narrow it down to recent because you've done like six thousand movies, Joel. Oh uh, no, like a little over one hundred and fifty. Yeah, your IMDb page is like War and Peace. <laughs> You know, Crazed came out recently. It used to be called Fury, the Tales of Ronan Pierce. And then it got caught up in a big legal battle with the Fury, the Tank movie. And I think there were some other things. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so the distributors had them change it, uh, uncorked, change it to Crazed. Or uh, Mike McCarthy changed it to Crazed. It was one of the names they gave him. He picked that. That that was a lot of fun to do because it's, um, it's, it's kind of almost in the style of a Sin City or um, Kill right. Bill with the animation cut into it and stuff. So that, that was really fun to do. And, I, and I'm um, playing the police captain. And, uh, but I like playing a good guy better than I do a bad guy. Uh, I mean, I go back and forth, but I, I'd rather be a good guy. And this one, I was a real sleazebag in this movie. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it, it was fun to play the bad guy and stuff. But then um, I put something together. It was uh, four short stories, and I did a wraparound, my wife and I. And uh, it was called Wine Coop Tales, and that got mm-hmm. a lot of attention. And uh, people seemed to like that a lot. It was four short stories, and the wraparound was comical. In fact, it was the day we shot it, uh, you know, I put these glasses on with a little Band-Aid in the middle, and then I had a, a shirt and, and, and pants on, but I did a silly walk. And I was talking like this. I go, how, how are you today? I, I, would you like to buy my stories for a movie? And I really felt like I was channeling a Jerry Lewis Thing, and we got all done that day, and we were got, got home, and, and the TV came on. My wife goes, oh, my God, Jerry Lewis just died. And I go, wow. I said, I really felt like I was kind of linked with Jerry Lewis there for a little while because that's the character <laughs> I was portraying. So, you See, know, that was a he lot got of fun. Stuck. Huh? Jerry Lewis got stuck, right? He died and, like, wound up in you for a few hours. <laughs> I, you know, I sometimes I, I say where it's like, I just kind of felt like I said it was just so weird because he passed that day, and here I was. All of a sudden, this character came to me that I said, "Oh, I should do this oh, that kind of weird. Jerry Lewis character." And then, and then, yeah, well, then we found out hours later that he he died. Oh, that is weird. Yeah, I mean, Crazed was a bizarre movie. Yeah. You know, it's um, uh, it, it was one of those things like when you when it, when it first starts, you're watching it, and you're like, okay, you either buy into the look or you don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once you do, that movie was so – it was such a ride, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, Joel, you made movies as long as I have. So I know I shot some of my first movies on short ends back, you know, in the early 90s. Did you ever shoot any films on short ends? Yeah, well, I started, like, in the 70s, like, 1975. My dad got me a Super 8 camera, and we made the, the – uh, the, uh, the Bionic Boy meets the Invisible Transfer Boy because uh, everything was six million dollar man then. And then in doing all these Super 8 movies, then I kind of moved away from the neighborhood, got kind of away from movies. And in 1984, my nephew read to me in the in his paper, The Jupiter War Cry, about this kid named Tim Ritter doing a movie called Day of the Reaper. And I was like, man, I wonder if that's the same Tim Ritter I used to uh, watch him and his sister for his mom. And lo and behold, got him on the phone and everything, and it was. And um, I said, well, I'll help you package this movie if you want this Day of the Reaper thing, and then maybe we can do something. And then that turned into Twisted Illusions. We did that, and then 
We got um, financing for Truth and Air, and we did that movie. That's, it's just a long, dumb story. Hey, I got an idea. Yeah? Yeah, let's play Truth or Dare. Huh? Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare. from um, Peerless Films from Chicago came down, and we shot Truth or Dare. And then I think right after that, Tim went and got money for Killing Spree, and then I got the bug really bad, so I was like, oh, I, I just I was still shooting Killing Spree, and I said, I want to do something. So I quickly wrote a script called Lost Faith, and, which has got a really cool fan base. I'm finding out that people are just, you know, I love Lost Faith, and I'm like, really? Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm glad. Steve Nakoda is a good guy, having a bad day. Well, to tell you the truth, Walt, I've had more problems this week than the average guy has in a year. And it just got worse. Hey, don't tell me to calm down, all right? My wife has been kidnapped. Bring her to me, now! If I'm not gonna be your slave. That you are all my prisoners, and that there is no escape. He lost his wife. He lost his patience. You entertain me with your threats. He lost his, his faith. faith. Have you tried praying about this, Steve? God that lets all that happen to human beings is going to help me. Now. 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 Steve Nakoda kicks the legendary karate cult classic returns to DVD and mighty VHS. Joel D. Winecoop is Steve Nakoda. Who are you, pal? I'm Steve Nakoda. Steve Nakoda kicks ass in Lost Faith. Exclusively from Cult Movie Mania. Be advised that at least two of you are expendable. You are out of your head, man. And then it just took off from there, because then we did Wicked Games and Creep, and then we met Kevin Lindemann from New York with uh, the Alien Agenda series, and then I met Marcus Cook over here. He was doing a movie, and he wanted me to be in his movie Rot, and then another filmmaker was shooting brain robbers, and he goes, oh, you got Joel Wankham? Can, can you be in my movie? And then... It's just really, you know, all of a sudden I was doing these movies, and then when I moved to Tampa, it became even bigger because then I was shooting a lot with the people from Tampa, and I was going to Iowa and Indiana and North Carolina and Kentucky and um, uh, different places to shoot as well as here. And so that part's been, you know, the money could be better. <laughs> but <laughs> it's been a great ride to, if anything, if, you know, if I were to die tomorrow and someone say, well, you didn't have any money, but they'd say, but man, look at all this entertainment you left behind. <laughs> right. So so some of those films were shot on uh, film that I'm assuming in the early days. Oh, I'm After sorry. The Super 8? 
Yes, oh, you were okay. saying that. I, I shot off like a rocket, like Batman in the Batmobile. I apologize. No, we, yes, no uh, that was great. Now we got a whole rundown. But I'm just wondering the differences, you know, because we used to have to shoot on film, which was so much more expensive, and now we get to shoot on digital, which does yeah. make the production end much easier. And, um, and I just think it was a lot harder back then because of the cost involved. Yeah, because, like I said, I did start with Super 8. Then when Tim and I did Truth and Air, we shot that on 16-millimeter. Uh, yeah, it was very expensive. Uh, you 16, have to your, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to get your dailies back, and then you have to look at them, <laughs> and you got to make sure that's what you wanted. And then, right, and then with right. Killing Spree, Killing Spree was shot on 16-millimeter, and they kept screwing up because okay. every time they'd send the stuff back, I forget what happened, but it was the, I just remember Tim Pullen's hair going, oh, why? They're getting, oh, that's what it was. They were getting them. Instead of overnighting them, we were getting them like six days later. We're like it's too late. I mean, we right. can't go back and sleep again. Everybody's got to go home soon. So and then um, oh yeah, Lost Faith. I shot on three quarter video, and then Wicked Games. We shot on, I think it was a brand new high eight camera because I remember we shot the movie twice because the for the camera ah. kept eating, eating the tapes. Then the uh, the people gave us the camera. They said use this camera to make your movie. We, we you know it'll be a test for us, and it was terrible. What year was that? No, nine, nine, 1994. Oh, so that was early on for, for shooting on digital. Um, interesting. So was, was the format like the mini DV tapes that they once – I remember having those yeah. as, as a transition to, to, to the video card. Yeah, because card. every time it would it like shut down, Tim would open it up and he'd pull the uh, little cassette tape out and all the tape would be unreeling in the camera and he'd be like, oh, yeah. we got problems. <laughs> That's a nightmare. Yeah, it was. For a while, we didn't, we didn't think we were going to get done. And one of, the, one of the other actors, he was like, oh, this is ridiculous. We can't do this any longer. I'm quitting. And I go, no. I go, hey, man, don't quit. I go, this, sometimes this stuff happens. Who are you to yeah, tell me? Yeah. I go, I, I'm nobody, but I'm just saying we need to finish this. We can't just quit. So let's finish this. Fun stuff. Um, yeah. so I wanted to ask you, you worked with the godfather of Gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis, um, yeah. who was a legend in everybody's mind in the uh, horror industry. Do you have any funny stories from that set? Oh, yeah, I have a great one. Right. <laughs> I, I have a funny story about how we wound up on that set. Oh, yeah, let's hear them both. I, 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 held, I held up that production, right, Joel? No, you, you know. You didn't hold it up. It was what it was was actually it was a nice thing from Jason and a nice thing from Herschel because Jason knew I wanted to do um, the Uh Oh Show for Herschel, but I was also doing Stop Dead for Jason. And Jason was even nice enough to say, "Don't worry about it, Joel. Go do their movie. I can get somebody else." And I go, "No, no." I said, well, "Let's make this work. We'll make it work." And Jason was like, "I'm going to try and get you out a little early." And then I, I basically just uh. told Herschel. And Herschel said, I don't care what you're doing. I want you in this movie. So whatever you need to do is fine with me, but I want you in my movie. So we're going to make this happen. So I finished Jason's movie. I'll just say, let's say it was a Thursday night. Friday morning, I was on the set of the O Show. I went right from Jason's home, went to bed, got up, and went to the O Show. Mm. Yeah. And where we was shot... Herschel shooting that? In Florida? The O was shot in St. Pete, St. Petersburg. Okay. Yeah, so we were dragging you all across Florida, too. Yeah, because I was up in Apopka in Orlando, and um, o Oviedo, was it, Jason? Ovi yeah, wherever, wherever that farm was that we were shooting on. Yeah. And, and Lakeland, then, too. We went back that way. Oh, that's right. We were in Lakeland. Yeah. I mean, Stop There was an interesting movie, because 
Joel, in the scenes where Joel's driving, Joel's really driving. <laughs> and she's yeah. driving from one location to another. Ready for our big trip? Are you kidding? Definitely. Four days of fishing, sitting around the sun. Of course we are. Ooh. You know what? She's right about one thing. You are an asshole. Yes. Yes, I am. But I am a satisfied asshole. You know what? I gotta tell you honestly, I am really, really enjoying this. That's because you're drinking. Well, I drink at home. And I'll find this relaxing. location to another that's that is the yeah. way to do low budget filmmaking right there that was that was how we got him out in time for Herschel Gordon Lewis's movie you know so this is how we multitask <laughs> <laughs> and we have to keep interrupting his lines to say like turn left <laughs> yeah yeah that's right we did I'd be like I'd be like in the middle of my dialogue and James is like we missed the exit yeah <laughs> <laughs> we missed the exit <laughs> Yeah if, it was a really good, yeah, if it was a really good take, we would just drive right past where we were going. Oh, that's hysterical. And, and at, one point, at one point, everybody was kind of in the back, I think. I don't know, going over lines. Everybody was talking, but it was um, Kevin and his wife and Debbie, Rashawn and Jason. Yeah. They're all in the back, and all of a sudden, Debbie just goes, I'm going to go up front with Joel for a while. She comes up, and I think... Jason has taste or something, a Billy Joel, and I'm a Billy Joel fan. And Kevin Rashawn and I just sat up in the, and I'm driving, and we're, yeah, big shot, yeah. Get all the whole album together. You had to be a big shot, did yep. That song? Yeah, we, could, yep. we couldn't afford to use that clip because of the, the rights, of no, course. No, no, that's not yeah. kind of screwing up your uh, licensing agreement there. <laughs> Yeah, that's the funniest thing. You should have just said Billy Joel. You know, Joel's a big fan of yours, and you're named after Joel, so you should let us use that clip in our movie. Right. I should have tried that. That works for me. Yeah. I don't know he'll buy it, but it works for me. So what's your funny um, Herschel Gordon-Lewis test story? Well, the best thing, the Herschel Gordon-Lewis thing, is um, what happened is I, I happened to be, I was grabbing something to eat, and I was coming through the hallway, and we're in this big, huge warehouse with all, like, 20 30 different rooms that we're shooting in. And the big, biggest, huge room was the one at the Uh-Oh Show Wheel. And Herschel was coming out the door, and I was coming around the corner from, because I was always eating. So I'm coming from the table, and uh, Herschel goes, oh, Mr. Weinkoop, because we are going to play a little joke on, on Andrew. 
And I go, oh, Herschel, you've got to let me in on this thing because I'm the king of this stuff. And he goes, okay, okay, you just come in when you feel like it. And I go, gotcha. And uh, so we went out there, and there was about, i say there was like 100. And Andrew Allen, when I tell the story, he goes, more like 30 or 40. And I'm like, okay, whatever. There was a bunch of people there. The warehouse was full. And Herschel was on stage with the cameraman. And Andrew Allen was on stage. And, you know, and a couple other people, camera guys, lighting guys, and everything. And all of a sudden, I see that it's all going down. Herschel goes, mm. what's going on here? Why can't we get the shot I want? And his cameraman's like, listen here, I'm doing the best I can. You know, what are you getting on my face for? And Herschel goes, you don't do what I say. I'm going to get mad here. And then all of a sudden, I go, what's going on here? And Andrew Allen goes, so I'll stay out of it. And I go, this would never happen on a Tim Renner set. What's going on here? And Andrew came off stage, and he grabbed me around the neck, and he and I go, get your effing hands off of me, man. And I yanked away from him like I was going to punch him, and he kind of jumped back. But then he grabbed me again, and he starts rushing me through the whole crowd, and he's going, you're in so much trouble, you don't even know. And I go, I don't give an ass, man. And I, I backfisted his, his hand off of me again, and then he's yelling, because you're, you're, you're getting in so much trouble. And we're getting closer and closer to the back line. And I keep yelling. I go, I don't give a damn. This would never happen on a Tim Ritter set. And all of a sudden, Herschel goes, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. And Andrew turns around and goes, what, Herschel? And, and Herschel goes, April Fools. And Andrew Allen turns to me and he goes, you're the best, you're the best effing actor in the world. Yeah, it's all good until somebody gets strangled. <laughs> and everybody, every, I don't know why anybody didn't keep this stuff, but everybody had their cameras out, and they were all videoing, and I go, why didn't somebody send it to He served the original blood feast, raced hell with 2,000 maniacs, rode wild with she-devils on wheels, and got down with the Gorgor girls. Now, after 40 years, the Wizard of Gore himself, director Herschel Gordon-Lewis, returns to tell you a grisly, gory, grim fairy tale about a reality TV show that finally gives viewers what they really want. Win and get rich. Lose and it's off with your arms, legs, or... On the bloodiest show to ever hit your screen. <laughs> Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Uh Oh Show. The all new splatter classic from the legendary Herschel Gordon Lewis, the godfather of gore. The show will start as soon as your pants are dry. See it before you eat. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great for the making of. Yeah. <laughs> but not only even kept any footage. <laughs> oh, no. They're like, oh, it's not real, delete. If it was real and someone got shot, I would have kept it. <laughs> well, there's that. So, you, so what well, was your first actual paid acting gig? I know you started shooting uh, the Super 8 films with your, was it your brother back in the 70s? What was like the turning point when you decided to go professional as an actor? Uh, 1984, Tim and I, after we did the run of Day of the Reaper, uh, we got together and we wrote a script called Inner Forces. And it was okay. 90, I think it was like 65 pages. And I told Tim, I go, how are we going to pull all this stuff off? You got a, the preacher explodes into a big fiery bird. I go, we can't do that stuff. 
we got to do it, man. <laughs> and finally, he admitted to me, he goes, he goes, he called me one night, and he goes, you're right, man, we can't do all this. Let's just do some little short stories. And I go, okay. So I came up with three. Tim came up with three. We came up with the company name and the name of the movie. Cause I think he came up with, like, Twisted, and I came up with Illusions, you know, after Nights and Nights. And uh, the, so he made the company Twisted Illusions, and then, but we also made the movie Twisted Illusions. And, um, and then Tim had one wraparound story for the whole thing. So that's how that came to be. You know, I, I did three stories, and one of the three that Tim did was called Truth or Dare. And then we took that, so we sent that to um, uh, Jeffrey. Um, oh, my God, I forgot his last name. How could I do that? Uh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff Miller. Jeff Miller from Peerless Films. And he okay. liked the Truth or Dare short, and he's the one that's, you know, back and forth. Tim went to Chicago, met with him. Then the next thing you knew, we were doing the movie. Tim was in Chicago going over the storyboard with the artist, and they were – you know, drawing the storyboard up and then uh, looking into the effects and all that stuff and bringing, like, uh, Steve Prouty on and, um, uh, dang it, uh, Jerry Perry, which is a professional stuntman from uh, a, a bunch of movies like Prom Night, and then also um, right. uh, the special effects guy from Ghostbusters, he was there too. And all of a sudden this stuff was happening, and here we are, you know, Two, I won't say kids, because I think I was 27. I think Tim was 17. But here we were making mm-hmm. this move. And, um, yeah, it was pretty cool because, you know, we got a guy out there completely on fire. We had cars crashing, and one of the cars bounced off the other car and hit the telephone pole, and the flames oh, exploded out of the car, and it went up to the transformer and blew the transformer out. And it was at the mayor's, it was at the mayor's house. The mayor lived right underneath it, blew the whole transformer out. And, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, that was something. Just, I mean, that was one big day. But, um, I mean, the whole thing was just really cool and exciting to me to be, you know, now I'm really actually doing something. That's, I was running down the stairs with the mask on, fighting the guy. I knock him over the second story. I jump up on the hood of the car. And I remember when I was practicing that, Jerry buried the stomach, and he kept yelling at me. He goes, Joel, land on the hood and kick. Land on the hood and kick. Land on the hood and kick. Because I would land and break myself and then kick. He goes, no, land on the hood and kick. So I did, and I could kick the actor right in the face. And then I was like, oh, I jumped down from the car. And I go, ow, are you all right? He goes, you kicked me. I go, I'm sorry. Jerry keeps yelling at me to kick. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that was the right take and you didn't have to repeat that. <laughs> we did it over and over again, but the one we used was him actually getting kicked in the face, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So now you um you studied martial arts, right? Yes, uh huh. What 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 kind of martial arts did you study? What what's your background in that? Uh, taekwondo, um, a little bit of taekwondo, only because I um is Chuck Norris and I'm a huge Chuck Norris fan. Uh, a okay. tad of Yoshikai because I would go with my nephew who took Yoshikai and I would go with him for a little bit to do that. Um, and of course kickboxing because they used to kickbox. Um, I mean, I can still do all this today. I just, I'm not, I, I can't. When I was fighting when I was 27, my instructor was taking me to other schools, and he was like, you're great. You're beating all these guys. This is awesome. Uh, but I was in more, I was in, in shape then. <laughs> I was more, right. I, I think I'm still okay now, but I was more in shape then, put it that way. But, yeah. Gotcha. So the stuff I can do in the movies, you know, uh, um, of course, when you're doing something in the movies, you're saying, okay, man, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Um, you got you got to program it, then you got to make sure it looks good, and then in a real fight you don't telegraph, but in the movies you want to telegraph because you you, you want mm-hmm. the camera to 
the because if you fought, if you really fought, it'd be over, and the camera wouldn't have seen anything. The camera guy would be going, "What right. happened? Why is that guy on the floor? What happened?" So right, it's, right, it's got to be all programmed, and, and you, you got to work things out and stuff. I mean, and then there's some people that are just like, I think they did a roadhouse. I think they just fought, but I'm like. If somebody gets hurt, you're going to shut the whole production down. Then what do you get? Okay, now you're all shut down for an entire day because you wanted to have a cool fight scene, and now you're like $100,000 behind on the budget or whatever. Yeah. So it's better to, to program this all out and know exactly what you're going to do and, and, and what your camera angles are going to be and what looks the best. Right, Remember right. Remember, all, all wrapped up, I sent you and Wing out. Yeah, uh, we were filming something else. I said, okay, so guys, you have a fight scene coming up, right? And you're like, yeah, what are we doing? I said, I don't know. <laughs> Go choreograph that for me. And you <laughs> and Wing worked out that whole fight scene for me. The, the coolest what thing movie about was that, that, that was a, was That, that was uh, all wrapped up. Yeah. It was the mummy movie. Okay. Um, he plays a reaper and Wing plays a, a bog mummy. And basically, th- there were two... Yeah, a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He he's a mummy that goes in a bog and he doesn't die, so the reaper has to get him back. And basically, all we had, and you know, and it was like um, it was like an old you know Showtime late night script where they would say lovage happens instead of just as fighting happens, right? So I had the beginning of the fight and the end, but everything in the middle was just like you know they needed to choreograph based on where we were that day. Look there. I'm sticking with the ghost slime, vampire teeth, whatever it is you do. Stay away from my crimes. Come on, taste justice. Oh, right, right. And so they did. Bog you know, because Bog mummy. Yeah. That needs to be like a genre of films now. Oh, it, yeah. I mean, series, that was why I, mummy series. That was why I did it because there were so few mummies that were bog mummies. Yeah, I don't think there are any. This is the first time I've ever heard of a bog mummy. Oh my! You never heard of a? Oh, it's <laughs> we have one that was from street, street from us. He comes out every once in a while. We give him crackers. Then he goes back to the bog and sleeps for another hundred years. <laughs> it's Scottish lore. You never heard of the Scottish bog mummies? No, I have it's not. It's a real I thing. Rock. It's a real thing. Yeah, when they were digging up the peat moss, they would find dead bodies, and they would think that they were only dead for a while because they were so well-preserved, but it turned out it was from the peat moss. So, okay, so this is very interesting. This is an actual thing in the real world, and nobody has exploited this as a genre until now. How is this possible? Oh, well, there, like there, I, it's like the swamp creature meets the mummy. Like, my God. And, and the makeup was amazing for it, and it was the yeah. easiest thing in the world. Because we called uh, Tabitha, right, Joel? You remember Tabitha guy who used to yeah, do all my makeup? I Tabitha. I yeah. still talk to her now on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, and she's like, I'm not going to be able to be there every day, so I'm going to do this the easiest way possible. And we just bought these big vats of uh, mud mask and covered wing in them. Yeah. So he just had that goopy, <laughs> drippy, muddy face the whole time. Yeah. 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 He, he said it made him real popular with his wife. women used to clean their pores. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, he goes, I, I got home. I was like, your skin is so smooth. He's like, yeah, well, I wore it all over. <laughs> well, that's amazing. That's the extra benefits of doing uh, independent filmmaking. You got, got like, kind of like a facial. You got his skin got all cleared up from the gook. Yeah. Right. The, 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 
the part that wasn't so great was instead of getting him an actual kilt, I bought him um, an old Catholic school skirt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it was plaid, but he had a fit, fit into this thing that was like, you know, originally probably for a kid. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah, and he had a fight in that. But, That's you know, it did work on screen. But yeah. What other, so she, how many movies have you two done together other than the mummy, the bog mummy film? <laughs> I don't I, What is it, like half a dozen, Joel? Yeah, what's the first one we did? Because um, that's a fun story, too. We were at Rick Danford's Halloween Horror Picture Show 2000. Was it, no, it wasn't, it wasn't even 2000, right? It was 99. Oh, was it? Because it, it, it was either 99 or 2000. I was there for the Lunar Pack. Yeah, that's right, and that's where we so met. And that's where we met, and then you were in my very next movie, and, like, everything I shot <laughs> since, then, <laughs> since then up until uh, Stop Dead. The yep, only one you... Okay. We did Indiscretion. Yes. We did All Wrapped Up. We, I'm trying to remember the first one with the four short stories, and I was... Uh, it was uh, Death Plots. Death Plots. That's the one where I also had you let me do the martial arts scene with... Uh, one of the guys, and it was a big guy, and I can't remember, but um, I, I put everything into that. And every time I would throw, uh, like I would do a couple punches, then I would do a spinning heel kick, and then I would do like a jump roundhouse kick. And, I mean, my right. kicks were really up there in those days, too. And I would, and it would always end with me kicking the guy in the chest and then repelling myself backwards, hitting the ground. And then there was this really sweet guy there that the Jason would go, cut, and this really sweet guy would run out and pick me up off the ground, brush me off, and he goes, go get him, and then he'd push me back in, and Jason would go, action, and then I'd repeat the process, <laughs> and then I'd kick the guy, and I'd repel myself backwards, and I'd hit the ground, and the big guy would run up, pick me up, dust me off, good job, Joel, get him, and Jason would go, action, and then we'd go right back into it. <laughs> When it comes to death, I know a thing or two the average person may not. 30 years without sex? Holy shit! You'll be naked when you get it. Yeah, all of you. Where the hell did that accent come from? We moved to travel the law. There's far too many people in this world. And nobody wants to stop making them! <laughs> Moose, what are you doing here? You certainly shouldn't have gone to the cops when I caught you stealing. Are you doctors? No. Then I will seek thy second opinion if you don't mind. But that guy was so nice to me. He was like, he's like, man, Joel, you can really go, man. Go get him. <laughs> was that the guy you were fighting, or was that somebody else who was there? No, it was somebody. I think it was someone off the side, and I, I always wanted to know who, the, who, because he, he was, because I saw him at a convention. He, he was there. You know, just you know, walking around at the convention, and he goes, "Oh, you're here!" And I go, "Hey, man, how you been?" And and I I I don't think that was Wing, because Wing was the mummy, 
and I don't know if Wing was on that, but I remember him. He was just there with you, kind of helping out, and he ran out and would pick me up after every one of those shots where I would kick the guy and fly backwards. He'd come help me up. That kid wasn't supposed to be there. (laughs) (laughs) I think he just... (laughs) He... One of the other actors needed a ride, and he drove him there, and I think he came because he knew you were shooting that night. That that might have been, but he was the greatest because he would run out, and, and I was, like, having a heart attack, and Jason's like, action, and I'm like, oh, I got to go again. Well, we had to finish before 11 o'clock because my neighbors kept calling the cops for the noise. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's never good. No. Nope. That's, that's definitely never good. <laughs> no. That's why we don't have that many neighbors now. <laughs> That's helpful. So, Joe, you mentioned that you're a big fan of Chuck Norris. Who are some of your yeah. other influences? Um, yeah, Chuck Chuck Norris because I uh, when I uh, my nephew so that's what got me into martial arts was uh, mm-hmm. my nephew's parents that you got to come see this movie. It's called Good Guys Wear Black. And it's this karate guy. And I go, oh, karate's a bunch of crap. As you can get around karate. And I went to see it, and right after that, I was like, man, this, this guy's cool. And there was like, his name's Chuck Norris. And I go, cool. And then that's when I met my instructor, Richard Wingate. And he was, um, uh, he was a, I think, second-degree black belt in taekwondo, and, uh, but also kickboxer. And so I started kickboxing with him. And then we mm-hmm. actually had, then I brought some more people in that wanted to learn martial arts. And I had already done so much. I was already fighting and stuff with, you know, in the ring with, um, against other fighters and stuff, you know, doing it for real, not, not setting it up for the camera, really getting in there and getting my face kicked in and me kicking other people's faces in. And, uh, but yeah, that, the whole thing was because of Chuck Norris, but that's probably my biggest influence. But then again, you know, William Shatner with Star Trek, you know, Charles Bronson, Clint Eastwood, go ahead, make my day, you know, um, (laughs) All, 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 all the action heroes: James Ryan from Kill and Kill Again. Um, uh, How about Roger Corman? Roger Corman, because King of the Bee movies again. And uh, somebody asked me about that. It was some article, and I go, "Really?" I said, "I said I got tagged with that way back in 1996 from a magazine article." I said, "There's a lot of people that are called the King of the Bee movies, and Roger Corman, of course, Conrad Brooks." Yeah. Who, passed away. He's, he's the ago. godfather of the king of the bees. <laughs> yeah. And um, and then there's uh, another one in L.A. I can't remember his name. I just saw a DVD on him uh, yesterday, a Crying House video, as a matter of fact. And it, he's called King of the Bee Movies. So I, I'm just happy to be lumped in there with those guys. <laughs> well, I mean, in Florida, there was no doubt that you were the king. Oh, thanks, Jason. You know, I mean, in that... In, <laughs> Well, you know, it was Florida, though. <laughs> right, right. It's, no, you know, it, what's interesting about Florida, Florida has a very, very robust independent horror um, culture going on that we don't have in California. And I think what makes it interesting is, um, you know, in California, it's really hard to do what you guys are doing because all the actors here are union members, and it's, you know, it just makes it up the ante on your budget every time, even if you do like right. a ULB contract or unless you do new media, you know. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think that you guys have burst a very interesting and robust independent culture there for horror movies, and there's a lot of stuff that comes out of Florida. Um, you know, and I love, I'm a fan of Tim Anderson's work too. I think he does interesting stuff. No, it's one of the, one of the things about Florida is, 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 is it's, like you said, it's easier to be prolific 
Yeah. Because people are dedicated to getting it done. Yeah. Right. You know, so like when 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 Joel's on a picture, right, and he gets people together, he's get he's got his crop, right, Joel. Like you've got your people you work with. Pretty much. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll still do castings, but yeah, Jason. Most of the time, like for you know when we did Dead End for the Action Film Challenge, I just I didn't even open my file cabinet. I just went on Facebook and I went, James Nolton, I need you. Anthony Wayne, I need you. Kelly Allen Thompson, I need you. Ken Anthony, I need you. And then I said, show up here, let's shoot a movie, I'll throw some money at you, and let's get done and get this on the movie screen. And, you know, and then I, and then I, and then I learned to teach, I taught myself to edit, so I edited it myself, put in the effects. Right. If I could do them, I got someone else to help me. But, yeah, basically, I know my pull, and I just go to those people, because I, I'm usually not like, okay, next year I'm going to start shooting something. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot something in 30 minutes. Let me get on the phone and start calling people. <laughs> right. No, which is great that you guys can do that. And I do think, you know, that's the other aspect of digital that's been a huge game changer. You, you know, the Adobe suite with Premiere Pro and After Effects, all of these programs, it makes it really easy now. Back in the day, you didn't have that at your fingertips. You didn't have the, you know, digital media cameras, and you didn't have digital media editing capabilities. So I really think anybody that wants to uh, really dedicate themselves to being a creator can do so in this day and age. And um, it's amazing that that all of this prolific content has come from from you know the viability of the technology. So, what are you working on right now? Anything interesting? Well, uh, just um, Kathy and I. That's my wife. We just finished scenes for a movie called Tales of the Midnight Hour Part Two. We did Tales for the Midnight Hour back in '99, um, and uh, my buddy Phil Herman up in New York, he goes, Joel, he goes, I've been thinking about doing uh, a sequel to the Tales of the Midnight Hour. I go, the one we did in 99? He goes, yeah. And I go, all right, cool, if you want. So he goes, I want you to host it again. And I go, all right. So, uh, you know, he, he sent me the script, and I went over to Chris Woods' house, where we just also finished Escort Service Part 3 with um, Chris. And um, we shot the hosting part. And, and I think Kathy and I were over there if it was last weekend or the weekend before we went over and shot our scenes for Tales of the Midnight Hour, because not only am I hosting it, but I'm also one of the actors in one of the storylines in it. And right before mm -hmm. that, we did, um, Kathy and I did a scene for another one, but this one's for Chris Woods and Sean Donahue called Earth Girls Are Sleazy, and we shot that. <laughs> and um, that actually, Tales of Death Sport Service 3 will come out, Taste Me, that'll come out, and then I think Chris wants to get Tales of the Midnight Hour out. And then Earth Girls are sleazy, and then of course. Wait, what is escort? Well, what is escort service three? What is this? Well, there uh, was, um, story about. Yep, there was escort service, and then part two and part three, of course. Um, but it's about girls, the prostitutes, and um, <laughs> uh, uh, guys calling the prostitutes and wanting certain things from the prostitutes, and then somebody killing the prostitutes that doesn't appreciate what they're doing. <laughs> okay, so let's go with exploitation film series. <laughs> yeah, so, and, it, and it spurred two sequels, and there's a fourth and fifth in the, in the, in the, out there in the void of space okay. being thought about. <laughs> <laughs> so now are you doing any of your own self-distribution on the Internet? Um, well, I, I did, when I did Wine Coop Tales, I don't... Uh, I guess I'm kind of good at sometimes I can get on and send people that, like when I did Lost Faith, I was really good. I was like, how in the hell did I do all that? Because I was writing to the right. sheriff's department and I was getting, 
you know, people, they're bringing people on to fire guns and wranglers and, and, uh, and insurance. And I was, you know, going to look at the property, sending out letters. And I look back on that and I go, how in the hell did I do all that? I would never try and do that now. I, I'm just going to go get out of my car and shoot something and then run away really fast. <laughs> but, no more permanent well, insurance, eh? For, yeah, so for distributing, um, uh, I mean, I, I can do all the things that you, I, can, I can make. Now I can make the movie. I can shoot it. I can edit it. I can put effects in it. Um, um, I can have it burned to a DVD. Like right now I'm working on the other side. I'm getting, um, in fact, I'm wondering, uh, I've called this lady twice now. I'm like, hey, are you getting my, my, my TV show done or what? Because I've already got the covers. I'm anxious to do this. So I can do my covers, my posters. I can do all that right. stuff. But right. It, I, I'm just to the next point where I'm like, well, let me get a distributor. It, it's, I'm kind of lazy that way. I just called up with Chris and go, do you want to release my next movie? And he's like, yeah. And, you know, he releases it, and he, I get residuals, and, he, you know, he pays me. They're, you know, released, like, Slasher Weekend, he picked that up. So Wine Cook Tales is, is one that was, you know, just me doing it. And the bite was also Cult Movie Mania. Um, they had mm-hmm. it for a while, and um, they had lost faith for a while. And uh, But it was just easier for me to say, well, in Cult Movie Mania's way, they, they contacted me and said, you know, we want to do something with Lost Faith. And I was like, cool, I'm all on board for that. And then the same with the bite, and then then they weren't really doing a lot of releasing anymore. And but Chris still is with Fleasebox, so I had asked him, and he goes, "Yeah, man, I'd love to pick it up. That'll be cool." And it's kind of weird. It's kind of like I can say, "Buy my next movie. It's called The Wine Coop Kills. It's got this and this and, and everything that everybody loves." But it seems to me like nobody wants to get it. But then he'll release it, right. and everybody's brother wants it. So I'm like, what's the difference? <laughs> right. Well, you know, it seems like the home video market, you know, sort of dissipated, and a lot of this turning to and turned into video streaming revenue. So, are you doing any deals with Netflix or any of the major online internet streamers? Netflix, um, I think they still because they used to. I used to be able to click on Netflix um, when, they, but when they were doing like the like when I was still working for Crystal Water, I walked into a business, and as I was bringing the water through the building, I walked by, past this guy, and he goes. I'm just practicing for the part. And I'm going, why is he saying that to me? And I put the bottle down, and I walked by his office again, and I was going back out to my truck, and he's like, just practicing for the part. And I'm going, did he see the movie, or is he just saying that? So I come back in again, just practicing for the part. And I go, did, did you see that movie? He goes, yeah, man, it's on Netflix. That was funny as anything. And I go, oh, cool. Well, Netflix had like nine of our movies on DVD, but then – then, yeah, you're right. Then they kind of stopped doing the DVD thing, and they are only doing streaming. But as far as I knew, they right. were still streaming a lot of our movies. But a lot of our movies are on that horror channel and Roku and all these other channels. Oh, on Roku channel? Okay, yeah. That Ron Bach. Yeah, Roku's Shakira. a big player. Yeah, so yeah. They, they put them all out. And a lot of my movies I've seen now on Showtime and Cinemax and um, – I don't know some of these other cable things. It'll, it'll, someone will tell me, and I'll go cool, and I'll like crazy. This is the last one, even though I was like, yeah, hey, I got to pay for it, but I kind of want to see it, you know, again because I saw it at the Gasparilla Film Festival, and that's the only time I saw it. So when it came up on Showtime, I go, no, I'll pay the six bucks and watch it again. And then um, Brain Jacked was on there, and uh, Girls Gone Dead. In fact, Girls Gone Dead was a phone call. I didn't want to hear my, my boys call me and go. Dad, we saw you in a movie called Girls Going Dead. I'm like, why are you watching Girls Going Dead? There's naked girls. You guys are too young. 
Crazy Girls Unlimited. Go crazy. Any girl that can flip like a cheese omelet goes upstairs to Sal's private quarters. Sorry, sweetheart. No one's allowed upstairs. I'm on the A-list. Yeah, it's Sal. What's up? Sal, a girl down here named Destiny. Send her up. All right. Hold on. There's somebody at the door. What's up? I'm busy. Jesus Christ! What the... We got a multiple homicide at 16301 Johnston. I'm telling you, Sheriff, there's got to be a connection. We have two missing teenagers. What about the guy hanging around Missy Pratt's house? Uh, guys, it's company. I'd say your theory is pretty much at peace. Oh? Well, unless that perp you say you saw is dressed like a monk and carrying a sword. It's a warhammer. A what? A medieval weapon used for purification reasons. This is so much better than DND. I have a really bad feeling about this. Girls gone dead. I wrestled a little bit in college. Yeah, my wife said, well, what did you do at 16? I go, yeah, I looked at naked girls. <laughs> yes, all boys do. That's sort of normal. Um, <laughs> There's a great scene in the Uh-Oh show. I remember um, the guy told me that the next day when Lloyd Kaufman came down for um, his, his scene, they uh, they called him into a room and they said, they go, Lloyd, you got to watch this guy. And it was and Brooke McCarter became a very good friend of mine. And, um, you know, he passed away. My friend in... Uh, Maine called me. I was um, at my friend's shop, Target Printing and Copying, and the phone went off, and I answered it, and he goes, Joel, it's Bill, and Bill Casanelli, and I go, hey, buddy, how you doing? He goes, I just wanted to tell you, and I don't know if you know this, but Brooke McCarter just died, and I go, what? And that's how oh, I no. found out he called me, but I found out there was brother and, and his brother's wife, Lisa. She goes, Joel, we, we didn't tell you because Brooke just said he, he doesn't want anybody to know this is happening. He just wants to pass on. And uh, we had a great, great scene together in the O show. And, um, I mean, I, that, that's another thing that was, um, if you got time for another funny story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Herschel was going to be gone the night, the night we shot it. And I was like, oh, he's not, he's not going to be here. I want to perform for Herschel Gordon-Lewis. He's not going to be here. So he says, he goes, he goes, Mr. Weinkoop, I want you and Mr. McCarter to come in my office and do the scene like you're going to do it tonight. So he brings me in the office. He brings Brooke in. Brooke immediately sits down on a chair. Andrew Allen is in there, and the guy will kill me, but the cameraman, somebody else, and Herschel's in there. And Herschel goes, okay, go ahead, go ahead and, and do the lines. I, he goes, you can sit down. I go, Herschel, I, I can't do it sitting down. i got to get it, you know, i got to be in character. He goes, that's fine, that's <laughs> fine, go ahead, be in character. And I go, well, Herschel, the way I do it is like, I do it, I really go into my character. He goes, fine, fine, that's what I want, that's what I want. And I go, no, Herschel, you don't understand. I, I like raise the roof, man. I go, I go. All of St. Petersburg is going to hear me when I go. That's what I want. I want you to do that. I want you to do it, do it, do it. I want you to do that. And I went in, no script or nothing, and um, went through all the lines and everything. And uh, and at one point, Andrew stopped me. He goes, I think we took those lines out. And Herschel goes, No. He goes, You put those back in. I want to see this young man do this. He goes, Do it again. And I did the whole thing again. <laughs> And then when we got all done, Herschel applauded. He goes, that was fantastic. 
And then as we left his office, uh, Burke called me over and he goes, Joel, come here. And I go, yeah. And he goes, come here. And I get close to him and he goes, come here. And I get a little closer. We're almost like nose to nose. And I go, what, man? He goes, you scare the fucking shit out of me, man. <laughs> so that was the greatest compliment I ever could have got. I said, well, that means I guess I'm doing my job. But that it's when I'm firing him. And he comes into the office, and I go, you low-life piece of shit. You left on the face of the earth. And it goes on and on. And then the guys, the guys liked it so much with the camera, this big, giant red camera. They push that in, and they go, Brooke, uh, they go, um, no offense to you, buddy, you're great, but we've got to be on this guy. And they pushed it right into my face and covered all that dialogue. And then they called Lloyd Kaufman the next day, and they go, you got to see this guy act, man. Watch this guy. And Lloyd is like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, good, good, Lloyd Kaufman is a good was, guy. That was a fun shoot. Yeah, and that was the Herschel Gordon-Lewis uh, film you were discussing, right? Yeah, and, and so cool because uh, the first day they were, like, doing my wardrobe. The first day of the shoot, they're like, they're like, you're wanted on set. I was in, like, makeup, and they're getting me done, and, and a guy's coming in. He goes, look, she's getting really mad. You better get out of here. And the girls are doing my hair, and then I'm running out with the suit on, and there's a tailor with me, and she's, like, doing, like, Doing stuff under my arms and my and my feet and hemming up the the pant leg and I'm still I'm still moving and she's right with me trying to hemming me up as I'm going out the door and I go right out the door it wasn't go out the door and hey how, how's everybody doing it was go right out the door and straight into the crowd of people the camera's already shooting and went right in and just started you know right into that into that dialogue which I I was I was like oh my god I'm gonna forget everything but I became the character Fred Fenagler so much that. I just let that this thing take over my body. So when I went out, I just became his character, and I, and I shot through all the dialogue and, and got it all right. And it's fun too because that was one time that just really well. I'm on Jason's movie too. Stop, Dad. There's a, a little girl there. She goes, the dad was like, you know what this is, and she goes, it's and she was so excited to meet me and get an autograph. But these people treated me like I was freaking Tom Cruise. I mean, there was all these extras there. I mean, like thirty, right. forty of them. And they were all like, hey, come here, you want to grab And I'm thinking, I'm nobody, man. I drive a truck for a living. I'm nobody. <laughs> well, I guess I left, I left Crystal Water in 2008, so I, I wasn't a truck driver. I was a retired truck driver. But such fun memories, you know, on that shoot. Yeah. The, especially the April Fool's joke. And then Brooke and I became really good friends. I brought uh, – I brought – Bought, bought, I didn't buy it, I created it. I gave him one of my wine coop shirts to Brooke, and I said, hey, man, I just want to get one of my wine coop shirts. And I think it was two days later, we were, he was on the set again, and he came, and he goes, I got you something, man. And it was a Spider-Man shirt. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome. Nice. I'm a Spider-Man fan. And he went and bought me a <laughs> Spider-Man shirt. So, and, I, of course, I have that to this day, and that was so cool. So a lot, a lot of good memories there. Yeah, this this must have been one of his last films before he passed away, too. Yeah, there was Blood Peace, too, but I think Herschel wasn't really in charge of that. It was somebody else, and I think Herschel was just there, or he, he wrote it or had okay. something. And then there was these other guys that were, I think, wanting to do something with Herschel, but and I, I think that got completed. It was like a trilogy or something okay. like that. But then, um, yeah, then I got the news. I think it was on. It caught me on off guard on Facebook. It said Herschel Gordon Lewis passed. I was like, oh man, because I've yeah. been meaning because I've been talking to him off and all. We talked all about media blasters, and you know, he was like, I told those guys, don't go with media blasters. Go with Anchor Bay, 
which would have been it would have been a bigger success, a bigger release. But Media Blasters kind of, as far as I'm concerned, kind of lost control, and, it, and then I think they went bankrupt, and the movie didn't get out as good. People go like, "Oh, so I've never heard of that's Rose Gordon Lewis movie." And you're like, "Yeah," mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, oh I know." <laughs> And you know they they don't know about it, so it, it, it's right. sad because you know her soul. That is sad. This was something cool for her show too. Yeah, that seems odd to me that if they had had a deal with Anchor Bay, that they wouldn't have taken that. Anchor Bay is a much larger distributor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That was the whole argument uh, Herschel told the people that were in charge. They said he goes, "I'm telling you, go with Anchor Bay." And I think there was somebody. Somebody they knew at Media Blasters, and it was a friend of theirs or a brother or something. And that's why it ended up going. You know, it's the same old story. Like when I was working for Crystal Water, somebody would be like, well, I was going to get water from you, from Crystal Water, but my friend Georgie works at Zephyr Hills, so we're going to get Zephyr Hills. Right. <laughs> you know? Okay. Well, a quid pro quo. At the time, though, Anchor Bay, too, I don't think was considered like ready for, for the new media stuff. That's like people weren't sure the, yeah. People weren't sure the big companies were going to jump in the way they have now. Yeah, right. And and Media Blasters was making that kind of pitch of you know we're the forefront, we're the and um, you know there's there's the fact that once you go with once you see somebody like Anchor Bay and one of the big companies, you know that if the move is supposed to be made, they're going to make it. Right. You know, but at, at the time, I, I can see how somebody might have made that mistake. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I guess that's a fair that's a fair assessment. I mean, you look at the way even, you know, Jason and I talk about this a lot, the way YouTube and Amazon Prime are now changing. I mean, YouTube has become impossible to do business with if you're an independent. It's really pathetic. And now Amazon is headed in that direction as well. It's it's you know yeah. it's it's what what's happening in our industry is pretty much mirrored to what's happening in the rest of the economy. It's the one percent versus everybody else. Everything is just sort of getting sucked up to the top. And um, it's becoming harder for us to all make money out here. But I think, um, you know what I'm saying? I think we just have to keep, you know, trucking on and and look at ways we can distribute ourselves, uh, you know. Right. Well, nobody's ever going to care about your movie the way you do. That's true. As long as 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 net neutrality doesn't get passed, then we're really fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's over. Then it's going to be like Time Warner all day. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I think, I, and I, and I think we're going to have that problem sooner rather than later. But I, I know, right? I hope, I hope, I hope not. I'm still, I'm still like hoping. <laughs> and when that happens, they're going to shut down this podcast. No, <laughs> we're on the radio, so they can't. They can't. Thank God. This okay. is like the one. This is the one thing. Um, you know, well, I mean, I suppose they could, but we when we're distributed through iTunes and iHeartRadio, these are larger companies, so it sort of gives us some cover. But nonetheless, it's very sad to see this happening because it's really sort of killing the creativity in the market, and things are becoming so mundane. You you start to see the repetitive storylines. There's le- there's little risk taking that goes on, and it's really not good for the creative industry to have that happening. And I, uh, you know, I mean, even with DirecTV now is owned by AT&T. I mean, that's crazy to me. This is, I mean, DirecTV is now a telecom. <laughs> it's like, really? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Sort of went off on a tangent there, I guess. That's right. Oh, We're going to do that again later. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many people. Every, every, it, it's like when Tim and I, like, started in the 80s, it seemed like there wasn't a lot. You know, there was Blood Cult. 
and right. um, I think uh, Peter Jackson was doing doing bad taste. Well, I think he, I think I, I think we did Truth or Dare and Killing Spree and Lost Faith, and then Bad Taste came out. But in the eighties, it was it was like a few. It's like you know, yeah, Full uh, Moon. I guess Full Moon would have been one. Um, yeah. Band. Yeah, but, uh, but A M P M Entertainment was there for a while doing some stuff. Even then, I don't think full, I don't think even Full Moon was there when when we when we first said we were like not that it doesn't. Yeah, they might have come but, later. You're right. Tim and I were credited for the whole uh, direct to video market with starting with um, Twisted Illusions and Truth or Dare, and like I said, not not that it does anything, but you'll 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 see that be brought up in in things. I'll say, well, these guys were you know credited for this for starting this kind of market. Right. And, right. Um, but then in the 80s, that was one thing. But then when it got to, you know, 95, 96, I remember even Ron Bonk telling me in 95 when he got our first copy of Creep to look at, to, to distribute it as Salt City Home Video before he became um, Subrosa Studios, he said, this is the best shot on video movie that I've ever seen, talking about Creep. And then for that day, and then... 96, 98, then everybody and his brother was in it, then 2000, then you got, everybody's got, they can shoot a movie with their phone, and the clarity in their phone yeah. is better. <laughs> the iPhones now, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, it's like the, the technology so much. You know, I, I even shot something for a guy, he just called me up and he goes, Joel, would you, would you please be in something of mine so I can try and get some YouTube hits? And I'm like, James, I don't know if I'm going to get you any hits with my name, but I'll do it because you're my buddy and it's fun. And and we did that, and I go, he pulled, he, I go, where are we shooting this on? He pulls his phone out. He goes, I'm shooting it on my phone. I go, your phone? <laughs> but I seen that. I, I was at an audition for a part for a television commercial, and RJ's like, I don't have my camera, but I've got my phone. It's just as good. And I'm going, you're shooting on your phone? I know. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's, but, yeah, it's, there's, there's people shooting actual films on iPhones now. But yeah. this is partly why the money's disappeared. I mean, back in, so, you know, like, I did Bikini, Hell, Bikini Hotel, Bikini Hotel, Bikini Hell That was like a, <laughs> sorry, <it's> like, <laughs> um, I did Bikini Hotel back in 1996. I mean, we sold the TV rights, the advance on the TV rights was $75,000. There's no way in hell, there's no way in hell that you'll ever see that kind of money again. I mean, now yeah. you don't get an advance at all, and that they and they stick you with the E&O insurance. I mean, it's like... And it's because it's a buyer's market. So the bad side of digital is that there's so much product out there now that these guys can pick and choose yeah. what they want to buy, and then they don't have to pay money for it. It's really frustrating. I don't know what the solution is. I, I, well, I think Jason says it best. You do it, and um, I think this is what you meant, Jason. You kind of, as filmmakers, um, yeah. we'll just, we put it out there, or, or especially for me, I, I'm not, you know, I, I mean, I, I've been picking up DVDs like crazy because I got three or four shows coming up, and I want to have some more material. I want to have everything I've got. And right. Stock right. up on the old, old show and Crazed and Aspiring Psychopath and Twisted Illusions too, and so and 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 Doomsday County. I got ten more of those coming. So I'm trying to stock up on these things. But all you can kind of do is say, "This is what I got. This is what I've done." They're really right. entertaining, uh, you know. I you know, and then because I'll have a table, and, and people will come up, and they'll be like. What's your favorite? And I'll go, Well, my wife's favorite is Dirty Cop No Donut. They're like, Okay, I'll take that. You know, they're just like, and then, What's your favorite? And I go, Well, I like creep a lot. Okay, I'll take creep. You know, so right. it's, it's kind of just as you shoot these things, it's kind of just do the best you can, have fun with it, right. make it as cool as you can in your editing system, burn it to a DVD, make a nice cover for it, shrink wrap it, don't shrink wrap it, whatever. 
chock full of with lobby cards. So, so when they open the DVD, they got a little extra stuff because I do a lot of mail orders, and I and they love that stuff. I, I still get a storyboard to Slasher Weekend, and the guy was on Facebook. He said, you gave me a storyboard, a storyboard. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was like, wow, you know, it's one page, roughly drawn with the killer stabbing people, and he's like, I love it. And I'm like, cool, he, he's happy, so. I'm making somebody happy. I, every time I want to quit, right. I get a Facebook where someone says, man, I loved you in Dirty Cop, No Donut, or I loved you in Creep, or man, I saw you on Girls Gone Dead, or Tuesday, or, I saw you on Forensic Files. And I'm like, I got, I got a guy, David the Rock Nelson, he calls me every time he sees me on a television show, because I'll do extra work, and I'm an audience member right. in all these doctor shows and losing weight and eat carrots for a day and blah, 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 <laughs> and I'll be in the audience. And one night, Kathy and I are in bed. We're sound asleep, and the phone's ringing. And then all of a sudden, it's like, go away, Poop. It's David the Rock Nelson. Yeah, it's David the Rock Nelson calling from Chicago. I'm watching TV. It's a Dr. Perlmutter show. And it's going through the audience. And I see it's you. And I go, Joel Wankel, King of the B-Movie. It's a Dr. Perlmutter show. It's David the Rock Nelson in Chicago. Okay, bye. <laughs> And I wake up and I'm listening. Kathy's like, "Who? Who is that?" And I go, "It's David the Rock Nelson." And she's like, "What? What is he?" I go, "It's David the Rock Nelson. It's okay." And and I'm not mad. I'm I'm laughing about it because I think it's neat that he's so excited because he saw me on a television show. Right. 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 No, yeah, definitely. So now you sell your DVDs um, on your website or somewhere else. If somebody is listening to this and they want to buy your DVDs, where where do they go? I do it on my website. It's uh, www.joeldwinecoop.com. But then I also do the convention circuit. And when I'm doing like I've got, uh, I'm doing a little a little appearance at a clothing store of all things. That they they said. So when they heard what I did and everything, they were like, could we get you to come? And I go, I don't, again, I don't know if it's going to help, but, yes, I'll set up and, and you can advertise it. So I'm doing that, and then I think after that is the Daytona comic book show, and then there's something else, and then um, I think Tampa Bay. Is your schedule on the website? Do you, do you post, like, where your appearances are going to be so if somebody follows you, or, or is it better on Facebook or Twitter or someplace like that? Don't tell anybody this, but I'm very lazy, so I never go to my website and update anything because I'm uh -oh. too lazy. <laughs> <laughs> People go, why don't you update your Facebook? I go, because I'm too lazy. I totally get that. I, I, He's I'm too very busy. lazy Facebook, too. <laughs> I forget how to get on. I, I don't even know how to get on my, on my website. I go, I go, I got to go back to, to, to Wix all the time and go, how do I get on my site again? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I forget my password all the time to change my yeah. website. What's your next thing you're doing? Anything you want to plug? Oh, um, I don't know. I, I this was the first when we finished. Oh, I finished Nakota. I was doing that for the Tampa Bay Film Festival, but I mean the Tampa Bay Film Society. And then after two years, they saw it. They didn't like it. Then they said, "We don't want our name on this. We hate it. It's a terrible story. Oh, horrible." No. Life. And I was like, "Wow!" I said, "I don't care. I'll release it." What are you supposed to be? Super spy? Government agent?
kill me, or I'm gonna kill you. You can count on that. <laughs> So I finished it for them, but now it became mine because we, uh, me and uh, Marcus, we bought the property back from them. And then um, I did have a story I want to do for my um, wife Kathy. It's called Onslaught, but I just we I just haven't worked into the part where I got to write a whole script for that. And then these right. other guys, they uh, they were at the Tampa Bay. No, they weren't. It was at the um, Action Film Challenge, and. One of our shorts played there that I wrote. It was called Battle Suit. And the guys were like, oh, this is really good. This is really good. And then they were like, what? 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 This is such a good story. Who did this? And then they saw my name come up. And they go, oh, of course, we should have known. So they called me up, took me out to dinner, and they said, look, do you, do you want to do Battle Suit as a big movie? And I go, yeah, absolutely. That'd be cool. And they go, will you write it? And I go, I'll write it. I said, but I kind of want to be in charge. I don't, I, I've seen how things happen on Truth or Dare and, even on Nakoda, right. the fights and arguments that happen. And if, if I can be in control, not being a jerk in control, I just mean, look, I, I want to be the one that says, you know, if the camera guy says this is a better shot, that's fine. But if I know how to set up a fight scene and the camera guy don't, I want the camera guy to listen to me. Because in Nakoda, we got in fights all the time. Not in fights, but I'd be like, dude, look, you got to listen to me. The camera's got to go behind it. If you shoot a fight sideways, it's going to look like Batman, and we're going to have to put Powell and Zap in there. It's going to miss by a mile, man. So, and he finally, finally told me, he goes, he goes you, you, you're right. I go, I know I'm right. I've been doing it for 40 years. I think I know what I'm talking about. So right, right. That, that battle suit, I might pursue that. It's the same thing with, with Kathy for, for Onslaught, and that's just making, she's always like, we see Avengers or something, she sees Black Widow, and she goes, can you make me do that? And I go, I don't know, baby. I'm working on that. That's a lot of training for her. I said, I can't even do that stuff. But um, that's one I like to do with the battle suit um, I might look at. And then I, I started this book a long time ago, Stay Hungry, the Joel D. Wynkoop story, and it's, you know, always been put off, and I've, I'm kind of like I want to go back to that. And today I, I – and I'm waiting on um, my 10 episodes of The Other Side to be put into um, one DVD and, um, or four different DVDs, but in one package. And I'm kind of waiting on that. And everything else was kind of done, and it was kind of regular for a while. It's like I wasn't acting. I'm not off doing a commercial or a movie or a short or anything for anybody else or myself. So the big excitement today was I cleaned my office, and it looks awesome. Do you two want to come over and look at it? <laughs> 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 oh no! How about you come um, clean mine? I, I what? How about you come clean mine? <laughs> no, it took me forever to do this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna guess you're not very active on Twitter. I I don't know what Twitter is. All right. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way. We I leave Twitter to I leave the Twitter to Tina. Um, yeah, I'm all over Twitter. <laughs> is that that yeah. little is that the little bird that goes I thought I saw a footy cat? Is that Twitter? That's the one. That's Tweety. I did I know I knew enough to do this. I, I linked everything if I put something on Facebook like I had a hamburger, it goes to Twitter and that's all I know. <laughs> all right, well there you go. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
Hey, I, yeah, I, I, if, if, if I may be so bold, I, I'm just going to spot yeah. these off really quick. I got a bunch of movies here that have been coming through the mail, and I got Grindhouse picking up movies of mine. But it reminds me, because I forget to say them, but there's like Brain Jack and Demon and Doomsday <laughs> County and The Bite and more Brain Jack and Herschel Gordon Lewis's The Uh-Oh Show and Todd Cheese's Dreaming Purple Neon, and which I'm in. At the, that, that was a funny story. Todd goes, Todd, we're both at a convention together, and Todd comes over to my table and says, Hey, Joel, um, I want to have you in one of my movies, man. i got to have Kimmy the Bee movies. Joel Wank has got to be in one of my movies. And I go, Todd, that'd be cool. He goes, all right. He goes, well, we want to do it. And I go, yeah, that'd be cool. He leaves. 20 minutes later, he comes back. He goes, okay, let's go shoot it. And I go, oh, you mean now? And he goes, yeah, let's go. And I go, okay. <laughs> so we went and shot it, you know. Um, but then Tangel, The Beast from the East, Part 1 and Part 2, with Conrad Brooks, Strip Club Slasher from the guys in Minnesota. Uh, uh, Truth or Dare, uh, Light of Blood from Gustavo Perez, Slasher Weekend, um, Before I Die, which is with um, Bill Herman, and then I ordered a bunch of Blu-rays, Creep, and Truth or Dare, and then I got Twisted Illusions 2, and Craze, which is the, the new one with the McCarthy brothers, and then Post-Mortem America 2021, which I did with Jim O'Rear and uh, Cameron Scott, Doomsday County, Craze Killers, which is a compilation of movies. I will dance in your grave. Killing three aspiring psychopaths. <laughs>